Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain. Each episode, we bring together leaders across the supply chain space to discuss the role of technology and business model innovation on the future of supply chain. The Future of Supply Chain podcast is presented by Dynamo. Dynamo is a pre-seed and seed stage supply chain investor. To learn more about Dynamo and this show, head over to www.dynamo.vc slash podcasts or subscribe on the platform of your choice. Now let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. Joining me today, Jaime Tabachnik, straight from Mexico City, co-founder and CEO of Solvento. Welcome, Jaime. Thank you, Santosh. Thank you for having me here. You know, so we have the jefe in the house here, and you know, we're we're going to get into some good stuff. I'm I'm excited about this episode, but. Give our listeners here just a quick 90 seconds what you, Pedro, Billy, and the team are working on in Mexico City at Solvento. Absolutely. So at Solvento, we are redefining trucking payments in LATAM, starting off in, in Mexico, in the Mexican trucking market. And what we're doing is building a workflow infrastructure, uh, I'm sorry, capital infrastructure. We're embedding into logistics, workflows, and software to build a seamless and simple experience so truckers can access to their payments immediately after they make a delivery instead of having to wait an average of over 60 days in, in, in the current, how the current state is in the industry. And what's your story? How did, how did you get into the world of trucking payments, freight payments? So my first, uh, approach or when I started working close to logistics and supply chain was when I started working with my father when I was 23 years old. My father is a very successful entrepreneur and he built electric, ele- electric supply distribution company in Mexico with branches, branches all across the country. And since, since I'm a civil engineer and my father was very involved in the commercial and sales part of the business. He asked me to start getting involved with operations. And my first gig was distribution center manager. And I had to, first I started getting involved in warehouse operations, but very quickly I started being also responsible for our own and proprietary fleet. And also we we had a very decent size operation of outsource trucking ops. And I was responsible of make of negotiating with our trucker suppliers, negotiating with them, paying terms, negotiating with terms, uh, the the rates. And I actually became friends with some of our suppliers and and quickly learned their biggest about their biggest concerns and, and pains they have in the market. And after seven years stint in the in the family business. I, I decided to to quit and start like my own professional journey. I I had an amazing opportunity. I got an offer to join uh, an early stage company called Biz Logistics that was aiming to build a digital brokerage platform for on the road freight in Mexico. So as a leader of that company, I got even deeper into trucking operations. We I got, I got to onboarding to our platform over a hundred different carriers. And definitely at this time, I, I had a, a bigger challenge of 
building a very compelling value proposition for them to come work and partner with us. And after 18 months, I realized that uh, a model and a vision like the one we're building in Sodelto was and is incredibly needed in not only Mexico, but also in the rest of the Latin American countries. So can we break down the problem from the trucker's perspective here? Because their, their cash flow situation is insane to anybody listening to it who is not aware of it. Absolutely. So let's start with one of the root causes of, of this problem, which is truckers are getting paid very inefficiently and slowly. So when a trucker delivers a load in Mexico, most of shippers and on, on, on the hires of truckers ask for physical documentation. So they want the original proof of delivery, which is probably the bill of landing or the, the invoice itself or the warehouse document with a stamp and a signature in most cases. And they need, need to take it back to the shipper in order to start the auditing process. And then uh, after the auditing process, uh, the, the credit policy or the credit period starts. So first, there's a very inefficient process where the trucker needs to deliver these physical documents. Sometimes they drive themselves to the location when, they come, when, they, when the truck comes back with the documentation. Sometimes they send it through uh, FedEx or UPS, so they had an additional expense there. But in in in, in the bottom line, they they they're losing a lot of valuable time. And then when they submit or they get all the documentation, they deliver it to the shipper or the the, the, the entity who's going to pay them. An auditing process starts, and this auditing process is still being done manually by these companies. What this means is there's a, a team of people reviewing. Bill of landing, reviewing the invoice, the proof of delivery, reviewing that the, all the accessorial charges are billed correctly. And it is a process that it takes a decent amount of time and detail to go through each invoice. So in average, with, there's like no official uh, research on, 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 on this, but with our customer discovery and the conversations that we've had, we've been able to conclude that this process takes at least two weeks in average. So this is the first problem. The second has been that very similar to the, to, to, uh, to the US, the Mexican and Latin trucking markets are incredibly fragmented. To, to, give, to give you an idea, over 95% of carriers in Mexico are micro entrepreneurs or micro company that have less than five trucks. What this means is historically, these companies have very, very little power for negotiation, for negotiating better terms. And they have historically been very interchangeable. So, and treated like a commodity. So this is changing with, with the, 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 the deal dynamics after the pandemic, because right now we have a deficit with truckers and now that the, there's been a little bit of shifts in power and, and truckers are regaining or are gaining for the first time. So leverage on negotiations, but historically they've been put into a very difficult positions and the credit terms on which they are paid. One is they're, they're long. In average, they're between 30 and 45 days on paper, but in real time, they're getting paid in over 60 days. 
And in Mexico and in most of Latin American countries, I, I say most because there are some countries where this is more regulated, but there's like no legal obligation to pay an invoice on time with, with a credit policy. So the, 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 the shippers and the brokers are being delinquent and there's no punishment. Like the, the, who's, go, who's having to absorb the cost of capital is a carrier. And the third thing that creates a perfect storm for these carriers is they are, have been massively ignored by the financial systems and the financial players. So over, I, I can very confidently say that over 85% of carriers in Mexico have absolutely no access to any form of credit, including personal credit as the, as the owners. So this puts them in, in, in a very, very difficult situation where it's almost impossible to compete and grow their businesses. They started like the, probably a lot of them, if you look at the numbers, they have been with the same number of checks for the last 10 years. And this is because they oftenly have trucks that are like parks, stop trucks because they don't have the cash flow to take them to a maintenance or a repair shop when they need to, they don't have the money to change their tires. They don't have the money to com to pay competitive prices to drivers. So these three elements are the ones that put them in a very difficult position to run their businesses and grow. So I guess kind of distilling all that down, if I'm a truck driver today, how much money would I need to spend out of pocket before I get paid back? That's my first question. Or, or, or so, get my revenue, so to speak. Yeah, at least you you have to pay up front almost, I, I would dare to say, almost 80% of the, the rate you're collecting. And this is because you need to pay for, for the gas up front, for the diesel. You need to pay for the tolls. You need to yeah. pay the drivers because of the huge, also the huge deficit in drivers. One of the biggest pain points also for carriers is the turnover of drivers. So to be competitive in today's market, you need to pay them daily, your drivers. So that's also an upfront cost. So with, with these three, and then you add the tires and the repairs that you also don't have credit, it's almost a hundred percent of your cost of operating that you need to put up front and then wait in average 60 days to, to get that back. And so it's 80%. And then my second question that you actually just answered is it takes 60 days, which is, I mean, that's unheard of in, in any other industry and, and frankly, not fair. Like it, it, it doesn't seem like the, the right mode of operation. So kind of talk to us, like, how, how are you solving this for fleets, for, for truckers, for the broader industry at Solvento? Yeah, so we, we agree with you, Santosh, and that's a big yeah, part of our passion is that we really believe that the current dynamics are unfair. And what we've been able to, to conclude is that we need to give the shippers and the big 3PLs and brokers that dominate the market in a way a value proposition for them to start caring about carriers. And that has been our speech from start. Like our, our slogan for Solvento is Impulsando Transportista, that means propelling truckers, even though that our go-to-market strategy is 
through shippers and 3PLs, our goal and our mission is to level the competitive field for the smaller truckers that have, have no fair competitive opportunities. And how do we do that? As I mentioned, we're, our, our go-to-market strategy is through shippers and brokers, and we are making the point through data that having loyal and good truckers is not a, it, it's now a competitive advantage and a strategic decision. It's not like, this is the, the, one of the biggest challenges we have is to change this mindset. And we found that there, there are very compelling arguments about this. And how we do it is we are integrating into this shipper and 3PLs workflows and software, most of the time transportation management software or TMSs. And we are uh, offering quick pay to their talking suppliers. And the great thing about our product is it's very easy to implement and it's also customizable to the needs of the company. And some of our customers are actually using it to incentivize loyalty and also to offer it as a benefit for truckers that have excellent service level. So our speech and our uh, how, what we're convincing 3PLs and truckers is if they want to be the best, they want to have the best and most loyal truckers. And with a very, very small effort for them, they can give and solve the main pain point of their suppliers that they're actually one of their, the biggest partners of why they are successful. And what we have on, 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 our, on our scope is automating the invoice auditing process that we talked about in the beginning of the conversation that is currently done manually by over 99% of the companies in Mexico. Like to date that we've visited many companies, we have not found anyone that has any kind of automation in the invoice auditing processes in Mexico. And we believe that by uh, automating this and becoming this source of truth for them, we're going to be able to even pay truckers faster uh, and pay them. Actually, our vision is to pay them immediately after delivery with the technology that we're building. So there are a few interesting things there that, that you've raised. One, you know, why should shippers even worry about this? And I think you, you brought up a, a great point as to you can use this as a way to differentiate and bring back great truckers time and time again and be a partner to them, right? Rather than just using them as, as a service provider. But you also kind of talked about how, you know, you're, you're putting your technology into the workflow. So over time and, you know, being a, a proud investor, kind of the, the vision is, you know, every transaction is facilitated by Solvento. So people get paid on time in full, right? But it comes back to the technology and being very technology first. Absolutely. And one of the things that we've, we've learned two things about what this industry needs. And this industry needs simplicity and flexibility. And that's what we're putting in, in, into, into, into game. And what I mean with this is we really don't care if the money or like 
the, the advancement comes from Solvento and our balance sheet, we really care about the speed of the payment and that's what drives value. We have some customers that have excess cash and we're building the infrastructure so they can use their excess cash to offer the quick pay. And we have a win-win scenario when where they're putting this excess cash to work and solving their, the biggest pain for their chocolate suppliers. And what's incredible is that with our early customers, we've been able to measure an increase of over 30% in their service level. And when we say service level is in their on-time delivery, in their on-time delivery of the documentation. And this is extremely relevant for 3PLs and brokers because 3PLs and brokers need to deliver all this documentation to the shipper or to their customer in order to collect. And since they started offering quick pay to their uh, truckers, they are, even they are collecting faster. So there's, there's an indirect cash flow benefit, not only for their supply of work, but for themselves too. The one thing about your model that perhaps a lot of the supply chain folks listening may not understand is you have one of the harder jobs of a CEO in our portfolio because you know, every 18, 24 months, you go raise VC and you need to, you know, make sure that you're hiring the right people, they're building against a vision, all of that stuff. But in order to actually lend, you're constantly on the other side, raising debt and lending. Could you kind of explain this a, a bit more for people to understand a bit better? Because this is where, you know, some people will call this a fintech business, maybe not, you know, entirely a supply chain business. Absolutely. I, th I think we are right in the intersection of supply chain, Logitech, and fintech. And we are, our strategy has been to get, like, solve the main pain point first. And that is by giving access to capital to these supply chain players. But we're in an early stage company and we need to prove that we are capable of underwriting correctly and servicing our customers correctly. And because of that, we actually started extending this loan for these advances and this quick pay from our equity and our, and in our balance sheet. And after some initial traction from our cohorts, we were able to secure first credit facility for us in order that we, so we could scale and finance our, our loan book. Because as you mentioned, our revenue model, our business model is entirely financial and fintech at the moment. Because we do, we, our vision is to build the end-to-end -end workflow software for truckers, but, and I'm sorry, cash flow infrastructure. And there's going to be a potential opportunity for having a business model around some of these premium features. But at this time, our product and our, 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 our revenue is generated by a financial product. And in order to scale, we need to have debt to finance a loan book because we need as any technological, a technology company, tech company, we need to use our equity to invest in our product, in R&D and in talent and in the greatest talent. And that's the, the best companies are built with the best people. So the element of that is... Something that we, as you mentioned, is entirely indispensable for us. And it is a very different process than raising equity for a PC. 
investors are looking for a different story, uh, that they're in for a, a shorter period of time, like VC investors and equity investors are in for the long game and the, and the long-term vision of what we're building. And that investor also cares about that and cares about your traction and the, and the, your product market fit because they care about the return, but they, they look at your performance in your loan book. And so there's very different conversations that happen with debt funds, very different data rooms and you need to prepare for a debt fund and very different processes in general. So it's definitely a big challenge to but like potentially we're always fundraising because at this time, what we need is the best partner that gives us the, the best opportunity to scale. And for that, we need flexibility. Obviously, the cost of the money is very relevant. But the most relevant thing is which partner is going to enable us to optimize our equity and so we can invest that in what matters most. Obviously. We need to uh, build our, our loan book and demonstrate that this is a sustainable business in the long term. And the the challenge here, and and it's getting more challenging because of the macroeconomic environment that we're living and we're going through. But the challenge is finding the right partner because every that investor that you talk to has a different strategy, a different angle, and there are different covenants that come in a credit contract that if you're not careful, you that and you sign a, a credit contract with a wrong debt investor, that could ruin your company. We've heard very bad stories about fintechs that sign contracts that tie them for life with an investor that doesn't have the best structure and the best conditions for their type of business. So it's definitely a challenge. First time me and, and my co-founders are racing that. So learning a lot and learning fast. Uh, but the great thing is we, we, we have a, a great group of advisors. And also in the last round, we were able to, to get funding from one of the best global VCs in FinTech that's definitely helping us navigate. So. With that, could you share with us, you know, briefly a customer success story from, from all of this hard work, from the technology, from caring about your customers in this market? Is there a particular customer you're thinking of that might demonstrate the Solvento benefit the greatest? Yeah, probably... A couple come to mind pretty fast. Let me talk to you about Transporte Seaso. They're, they, they, Transporte Seaso is actually a family business founded by a trucker of Grupo Modelo in the 1940s, like literally an owner operator that was hired by Grupo Modelo, the biggest brewer in Mexico that was bought by Anbev. The, the owner of the company told him, hey, I can help you with money to buy your truck. And, and, and you can start like building your own trucking company. So we love this story because in, in the year 2000, well, like 60 years after the company was founded, they were the largest carrier in Mexico. Then 
some things happen and then and they went a little bit down and they are coming back. Now they're the company's matched by our third generation. And they, this company, their strategy, and, and this is a strategy that many other carriers are implementing, is instead of buying more trucks and, and trailers, they're actually outsourcing or that they're buying more trailers where they're outsourcing the trucking, uh, the truckers. So they're hiring owner operators to move their trailers. And that in Spanish is called uh, the permisionario model. And uh, before they, they, they started working with us, they were paying their uh, paying credit, the paying terms for the, these drivers was 15 days in tape, one flight. But in, when we started talking and having conversations with them, they told us, yeah, no, we, we pay incredibly and we pay in 15 days. And they actually believed that, like the owners of the company. But then we got deep into their operations and we found out that we we're paying in average in more than 40 days. And the owners of the company were incredibly surprised. And this is because they, they, they didn't have the sensitivity and they were not close enough for, to that payment process. And we convinced them that with Solvento, their carriers and their trucker, their, their, car, their trucker uh, suppliers are going to be incredibly happy. And after six months of operating with them, this is a customer that we've been able to demonstrate that the power of quick pay the most because their service level has gone up by 40% with this specific customer. And that means that before Solvento, their on-time delivery and on-time uh, of the, the, the truckers getting to an appointment was, I don't know, I think it was below 70%. And right now is on the upper 90s. And that's just by, by telling the truckers, if you have an over 93, I think, percent of one time a show to appointments, you are elective, like you have access to quick pay. So this has been an incredible journey. Their truckers are more loyal than ever. Their turn turnover of truckers has decreased dramatically. And this is a company that has is is very known in Mexico and it's helping us a lot with 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 these success stories being very relevant to other carriers and 3PLs that are in the space because this is a contact company they've known for a long time and it's definitely having very clear results. That's awesome, man. I love to hear stories like that. R wrapping up here, I want to kind of shift to two topics. One's fun, but one is more so kind of stepping back and kind of thinking about the Mexican VC ecosystem and, and I think more specifically the, the startup ecosystem. And the last couple of years have been really great. I think there are more investors who are recognizing the opportunity. There's been more capital also deployed in, in the region. But kind of how are you thinking about it? What are, what are the great things? What are the things that, you know, people still need to work on? Yeah, I think that the last two years, even, even that we, we, we survived a pandemic, but the venture ecosystem and startup ecosystem in Mexico and in the Latam is consolidating and is maturing a lot. In my opinion, it, it definitely has to do with investors being more open to, to, to the, like they're 
they're bringing more investors. And they're also like the, the Mexican investor or Latin investor was being not that adventurous in, in venture capital. They were being much more careful on how, on, on how exactly more like private equity. They were calling themselves venture capital, but a due diligence deal for an early stage VC could take you six months, like uh, two years ago. And that's from stories from friends of mine. And they would do, I've heard stories that two years ago, they would do you personality test. And like, it was a, a, an incredible painful uh, process. But I believe that right now in, in Latin America, we're starting to see the, the, the real first generation of startups being successful and having incredible exits and uh, going public. Like we have the, in Mexico, we already have, I think, over 10 unicorns and uh, the, the, the effect of the employees of these successful companies, like having the mafia effects, like the rapid mafia and the other companies, and then the, the leadership team now starting their own businesses. And I think that effect is starting to, to, to be no, like it's starting to happen. And also the inspiration that these successful entrepreneurs and the confidence that it gives to other Mexicans or Latin Americans of this can be done is, is what I think is driving entrepreneurs to take the risk of, of risking it all and starting their own, their own venture. So I, I see it more by the influence of these successful startups. And by consequence, there uh, are more investors that are joining the, the playing field. But I, I really believe that, like, and I like saying, for example, in Nowports, uh, I think it's one of the latest the unicorns, is led by a 23-year-old CEO that I've, I've known him twice and he's incredible. And I've also talked to a couple of 20-year-olds in the last two weeks that are already raising their pre-seed of seed round. So I think that having these success stories is what's driving inspiration and a lot of action from the talent that potentially was more careful with and, and, and would have stayed in their family businesses or would have just done and networked and done a more traditional, more conservative model. But I, I think this inspiration is what's driving this innovation. And, and, and I think the future and the, the best is yet to come. I really believe that the next 10 years are going to be fantastic for the Latam startup ecosystem. That's awesome. And obviously as investors, continue to be bullish and, and excited by just the, the, the caliber of people, the ambition they have in solving some of these large problems for Mexico, but also the broader LADAM continent. Yeah. And uh, the, the only thing I, I miss to say is also, I think that global and U.S. VCs probably started actively investing in Latam like three or two years ago. Before that, there were not many international investors investing in this, in, in, in the sector, in, in Latam. Yeah, no, no, I think that's right. We, we made our first investment in Mexico in late 16. And, you know, I remember our, our peers kind of looking at us and giving us a weird look, but <laughs> exactly. for, for, for us, right. It's, it's backing strong, strong teams going after big markets. So. That, that ultimately kind of wins and, and beats out everything else. But I'm, I'm going to wrap up here, Jaime, and kind of, I got a fun one for you. 
if somebody was to open up your laptop and go to your browser, what tabs would they see? What, what would be open? What, what are you doing for business, for fun? Maybe you're learning something new. What would we run into? That's a good one. So we actually in, in Mexico, well, I think in Latin, it's a, a, a much bigger thing than the U.S., but we use WhatsApp for everything. So I always have my WhatsApp tab where I can easily communicate with uh, customers, investors, or whatever conversation I'm having. So, and I'm that kind of person that likes to have no notifications available, kind of weird OCD I have with that. So I tend to answer really fast and get over with, with messages. I also have found uh, a Twitter really helpful to keep me updated. So I usually have my Twitter uh, tab and I, I, I've been selective. I think I, I've been able to clean all the company, the accounts I follow. And I enjoy when I have a little bit of time just getting in there. And if I found something interesting, I would dig further. And uh, sometimes I have some, I, I, I think I have to do some cleaning of all the newsletters I'm subscribed to. <laughs> But I, I, yeah, right now, probably I, I get 30 emails, both of supply chain and fintech newsletters, but the, the ones I just go and like go through them really fast. And when I found one that I think is going to be helpful or is more interesting, I, I, I leave it open in, in my tab. So I'm ready to tackle it. And the other thing is I always have my Google calendar tab open. That's how I, I manage my day. I put everything on my calendar. And so I always going back and forth and just being prepared for, for, for not only the, the following meetings or the, the things I'm saving time for, but also the next day. So yeah, that's how I would summary, make a summary of my tasks. Awesome, man. Well, with that, I appreciate you jumping on, sharing the Solvento story, sharing this massive opportunity in in the freight markets around payments and obviously as as the guy who was really excited jumping up and down a year ago when we did the pre-seed i wholeheartedly look forward to the success that lays ahead of us cheers thank you santosh and thank you for giving me this opportunity i'm, I'm sure we're gonna have great success if we continue on the path we're at and i really appreciate having this opportunity man cheers thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.